just send me over the bars again. And so Betrayal. I am super pissed at this point, right? Yeah, and the, I, the bolts on her stem uh, were tight. So it was so bad. Her her bars just as soon as she came around to switch back, her the bar, the riser bar just straight over. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, we had just started dating. He got to hear the most awful sounding National Geographic high-pitched screams out of me, yelling, <laughs> super upset. I don't um, remember if I was crying, probably, like a she, mad she cry. She picked up her bike and threw it into the woods. <laughs> Literally threw it into the woods. I was so mad. Welcome to Stand Up Pedal Action. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Supa. If you record a podcast long enough, you're bound to have a technical glitch or two. And that is what happened with this episode. Please excuse the bad audio for the first few minutes as we bring you the action from our safety mic at the beginning of this ridiculously fun and entertaining interview with Seth and Jesse Michael. Well, welcome everyone to Stand Up Pedal Action. Tonight in the studio in the Blanket Fort, what a good time we have laid out for us. Uh, we have Seth and Jesse Michael, the Michael. Uh, Michael. Yes. Only no, no S. It is no a plurality S. of Michael. Yes. <laughs> Two Michael, but no S. <laughs> so if any, if any of you out there ride in the Springs at all, you've probably looked at Strava after thinking you did a really great job on something and seen one of these two names waiting above you in the list. I know that that's infuriated the hell out of me more than I care to admit. But there's more to the story than just ruining my feelings on Strava. So, Josh, <laughs> what else do our guests have to their names? Well, I know that you're both pretty active in the local cycling community. I'm excited to learn more about this. Yeah. But uh, just from what I found digging up... A um, little bit of internet see. creeping. Oh, boy. You, you've both done some racing. You've both done some endurance activities on the bike. Yeah. And uh, some trail building and even some frame building. So, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. But thank you both for being here yeah, with us tonight. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, looking forward to this. Yeah. So, as is our custom around here at Supa, we generally want to start by asking who you guys are and where you're from because rare is the story that starts here in Colorado Springs. <laughs> I know there's not too many uh, actual locals, right, anymore. We're all coming in from different states because Colorado oh, I, is so I'm, awesome. I'm technically a native. That's Ooh, true. He was born all right, here. Technically. Yeah. And then yeah, what born, happened? Born here but grew up in Montana. Okay. So right I, I claim, I don't know, I, I claim <laughs> Montana, I guess, because I did... All right, the majority fair enough. Of the time there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Jesse, what about you? I'm actually from Ohio. Ah, Midwest. There we go. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so I joined the military when I was 17 to get out because <laughs> I'm like, there's got to be more than mm -hmm. Ohio. I have outdoorsy and I'm like, I'm not ready to have a family at like 17, 18. I just feel like I should uh, go see what else is out there. So Are those kind of the two options? have a family at 17 or 18. You know, it's a great place. Yeah. It's a great place to raise a family in Ohio. It's just, it wasn't for me at that time. So, yeah. yeah. I've never been there, so I can't speak too much. You're not missing out. Not on a lot, no. No offense, Ohio, if yes. anyone there is listening. It's probably Although, unlikely. Um, I hear the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. Yeah, I guess they are. <laughs> if any of you are into sports ball out there, uh, enjoy this, that. 
Tigers playing in a bowl for some reason? And then Josh. Josh doesn't understand football, I see. Uh, so we'll have to explain that to him later. Yeah. <laughs> so no lo- no great loyalty going to the Super Bowl is what I hear. No. <laughs> we just kind of watch it, but we don't really watch football that much. So. Yeah. Okay. So we've got not so much outdoorsy upbringing in the Midwest since Accurate. I too grew up there and there's limited options. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Montana. So Seth, for you, is that a I'm out there all the time just gone in the woods kind of upbringing or yeah it was uh like growing up with you know every summer you go out with friends riding your bike um yeah just exploring the outdoors rivers creeks lakes the woods just riding wherever so yeah it was uh yeah pretty pretty freeing like my dad was really really good at uh, getting us out hunting fishing camping um so yeah, it was it was kind of the classic, classic Montana upbringing. Mm-hmm. If if there's a, like a cliche Montana, very jealous uh, <laughs> childhood. I guess that would be it. So yeah, yeah, it was it was uh yeah learned a lot from it for sure. And was cycling a part of this or just incidentally so? No, no. So the the cycling portion that was that was a long long thing. Uh, Mm-hmm. First got my like, you know, everybody kind of, uh, you know, grows up with bikes or something, you know, riding yeah. bikes as a kid. I didn't get my real mm-hmm. mountain bike until in college. I was going to U of M at the time. Um, and the parking permit was like $500 a semester. Oh, and at oof. the time I was, I was living with some friends downtown Missoula, and I was like, I'm not, no way I'm paying that much. Like, I'm yeah. gonna get a bike and ride. So I went down to the pawn shop um, and bought a Schwinn Clear Creek, which was a fully <laughs> rigid back when Schwinn, Schwinn was a, you know, somewhat legit bike brand back in the, yeah. I think it was a mid 90s bike. This was in uh, 2004 or five. So bought that instead of a parking permit and just started riding every day and then kind of transitioned to, well, like I've got this mountain bike, let's go explore the trails a little bit. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I got into, to mountain biking was, that was my introduction into that. And then, and now there was also, I understand a good amount of other outdoor adventures because as we're going to find out later in the interview, if you don't know out there, <clears throat> Seth here has, a bit of a penchant for doing ridiculous things that take forever and would kill most mortals. <laughs> but that didn't start with just the mountain biking because around your fire pit a couple of weeks ago, I heard a story about how mountain climbing goes wrong. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's oh, take a little detour tell. through the hiking and mountaineering end of your life that got yeah. A little yeah. more of your time there. That's for a while. the Seth I first met. Ooh, okay. He was not a biker when I met him. I met him as a mountaineer. Yeah. Oh. So so after college, uh, cycling kind of went to the wayside, joined the military. Um, and then, yeah, kind of, I forget what I did with my mountain bike, sold it or gave it to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, just left it but, chained to a yeah, campus. Yeah, probably. That's, that's yeah, what that's what you do. Does, right? yeah. yeah, throw a U lock on it and just leave it there. <laughs> um, <laughs> throw the keys in the river. Yeah, <laughs> but no. So I joined the military and then kind of got into a lot of mountaineering and climbing and 
And for training, I did a lot of uh, cross-country running. Um, and so, yeah, me and a good buddy and best friend still, uh, I've known him since kindergarten. Uh, yeah, me and him both got into climbing together, mountaineering. We first started with Mount Rainier. I think we were 17 or 18 at the time. Oh, yeah. Had no idea what we were doing. We went up there with like, <laughs> like department store jackets and gloves and the, a tent that dang near blew over in the wind. But we, we, we were very stupid about it, but very lucky about it. And like summited and it was, it was a crazy experience. And so from that, it, it developed into us, you know, getting much more trained and legitimate with the process, buying better <laughs> gear, yeah, um, getting in better shape. And then we, you know, started ta- tackling uh, mountains, uh, uh, Grand Teton. I did that. Uh, Rainier multiple times. Uh, Mount McKinley or Denali mm-hmm. up in Alaska. Mm. Um, and then also uh, Aconcagua down in South America. So I was going to say, then you headed south. Yeah, I headed <laughs> south. So, uh, yeah, after Denali, our, our, we, you know, initially had the, the idea to do um, the Seven Summits. So it's sure. the highest peak on each continent in, mm-hmm. in the world. So... Uh, we started with Denali, uh, you know, going completely unguided, self-taught, self-trained, like just to l- learn the the entire experience and okay. uh, and just go for it. Because um, uh, yeah, a, a lot of guiding companies take people up there that probably mm-hmm. shouldn't be up there. So we we wanted to learn and suffer and like really be part of it. So um, yeah, after Denali, we went down to. Uh, South America, which, yeah, that turned into a, an interesting ordeal because, yeah, in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, the, their winter is our summer and vice versa. Um, so we were down there in December, their summer, um, and up at, it, it's just shy of 23,000 feet, my buddy. We're... And it is a long, long way to the top, for those who haven't yeah. done it right. This is not a <laughs> steep peak that you're up up and straight down. No, this yeah. is many, many miles. How far in? So the they, you know, you you have to fly into Chile, then hop the sketchiest flight you've ever seen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the movie, the mm-hmm. movie, uh, uh, like biplane with chickens in it. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Like <laughs> if if I was sitting next to a goat, like that's you can picture that. Um, so then we flew over to Mendoza, and then it was like a, a four or five hour bus ride to the middle of nowhere like mm-hmm. you're, you're just driving through the country and then all of a sudden you start you get above uh alpine and then they literally drop you off at a, a fruit stand like shack in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and there's a tiny ranger station that's the, you know the size of your blanket hut with one guy <laughs> in there and you, you have to go through the whole the, all the red tape for the you have to get a permit and, and yeah. all that so um, you check in there, and then it's a 25 to 30 mile hike to the 14,000 foot camp, which is what they, uh, all the guides and uh, they set up base camp there. Mm-hmm. And there's a doctor there uh, that your permit actually pays for. Um, so yeah, super long trek, and and uh, we we carried all of our gear in. We didn't want to hire anybody. We didn't want to hire guides or the gauchos that that bring your your gear in so uh, a lot of the natives were you know super pissed like passing oh, by yeah. us 
you know, you'd be rocking out with your headphones, like just hiking along the trail, and all of a sudden, a donkey would almost knock you over <laughs> off the side of the trail, and you know, a, a gaucho would yell something at you. But yeah, I, it was interesting. But yeah, we we super long trek into base camp, and from there, um, it was a, a four day climb to the summit, which. Mm. Uh, are you familiar with uh, mountaineering styles at all? A little so, bit, yeah. So there's there's expedition style where you essentially take your gear up, mm -hmm. come back down and sleep, and you kind of you kind yeah, of you just uh, leapfrog yourself, yeah, yeah, leapfrog up the mountain. Or there's there's the more traditional alpine style in which you climb the mountain all in one push, mm -hmm. and so that's what we're doing. That's the more the, the of purest. course that's the Seth way. Type <laughs> yeah. three would that be type uh, three? Three fun? four. Yeah. I don't know. It starts to get a little weird after I love that. It. So yeah. that's that's like the purest style, and that's the way we wanted to climb. Sure. So the most miserable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, we we got up there just shy of. Uh, 23,000 feet and my buddy started feeling really bad and he had had some kind of altitude sickness issues on some of the previous climbs that we had done um and this was you know way up there nobody else is up there there was a bad storm coming in and he ended up getting cerebral edema at oh, 22,500 feet something like that josh the medical opinion on what is cerebral edema for those who don't know uh, it's Essentially swelling in your brain. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Mm hmm And this is characterized by, yeah, confusion. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. Like, you it's know, life-threatening it, very quickly. Yeah. 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 And I, so we, we had come back across this technical traverse and I was waiting for him. Um, and I could tell that he was, you know, moving very slow and then he got back across the traverse and I was talking with him and he was slurring his words and he wasn't making any sense. And part of it is your, your eyes start kind of bulging out of your head. And I, I could tell all the signs I had seen it, uh, on some other climbs we had done other people in other parties that had that, um, either that or pulmonary edema is another big one. Um, and so that we, we didn't have any of the medication. There's, there's certain uh, prescribed medications that you can take uh, um, that help alleviate the symptoms temporarily until you can pretty much the only fix is going lower. Um, and at the same time, huge storm had come in and there was a pr Brazilian climbing party above us that actually got stuck on the summer ridge oh. and they, they ran into the same issue. One of the guys ended up getting cerebral edema and they actually had spent the night on the ridge and search and rescue came up. Oh. Um, and as I was, I had to carry my friend down and we got back to our, our primitive camp down below and search and rescue was coming up. I thought for some reason they were coming up to help me, which I was super psyched about. I was like, uh, <laughs> I, was like yeah. I, I just like, you know, short roped and like dangled my friend down the side of this mountain. While carrying his pack and Seth's pack yeah, well, and his friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Taking all this stuff down, kind of just like dropping him down, short roping him. And I saw the search and rescue and was so happy. And, you know, I don't speak Spanish and these guys only spoke Spanish and they were able to communicate to me that, no, we're going up for the guys on the summit, the Brazilians, they have frostbite. One of them has cerebral edema. They're in way worse condition than you guys. Oh. <laughs> and so 
I, you know, I was, I was left alone to get my buddy down to back to the 14,000 foot camp, which was, you know, at the time about from our primitive camp was about 6,000 vertical feet below us. Um, and so that was Christmas day, uh, back in, what was that? 2009. And, and I was deployed, so I didn't know any of this was going on. Yeah. So yeah. Just, yeah. No clue. <laughs> no clue. Yeah. And so we got back down to base camp. I got him checked in with the doctor and the doctor was very serious. She looked at me and said, uh, you know, he has cerebral edema. We have to get him out as soon as possible. They administered him some medicine and then a helicopter was able to come in and life flight him out to a a hospital who knows where in the middle of uh, Argentina. I had well, no idea where. And this is one of the best parts of the story. You're standing there at the camp and they just put your friend in a helicopter and he leaves. Yeah. And you have no idea where on the continent they have just taken yes, him. They, they couldn't tell me the hospital or if they could, I didn't understand them and was just completely freaked out. And they wouldn't take any of his gear because uh, you know, the lift on helicopters have, it has a hard mm-hmm. time flying up to certain elevations. Um, and I was able to like get them to take the sleeping bag, which was, you know, a bulky item. Yeah. They took a sleeping bag, but wouldn't take anything else. And at the time we're like, this is like, you know, early twenties. Like we don't have a lot of money. This is all of our climbing gear. Yeah. Like, like bring all my stuff with you like when you hike out like i you know yeah <laughs> that's, that's what he's telling me and so it, it's like 140 150 pounds of gear that we have and you had about um, 25 miles 25 miles back to the highway yeah uh, um, so good you're like super fit <laughs> yeah 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 so it was interesting that same day i got him down and they life flighted him out i was able to borrow a sat phone from one of the guides and call his fiance at the time and be like, Hey, like your, your fiance just got life flighted somewhere. Like he's really sick. And that was, a, that was a really hard phone call to make. And also mm, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas too. <laughs> Merry yeah, Christmas. Yeah. Hope you don't mind. Yeah, your fiance was uh, about to die last time I saw him. So. And um, you had no further details to provide. Yeah. Nothing. And that was it. That was like, I, I told her that I'd give an update as soon as I could. Um, but yeah, then it was a super long trek back out to a highway, which I didn't even think about at the time. I like, how do you buy a bus ticket in the middle of nowhere? Like you just hitchhike. <laughs> you don't speak like, Spanish. Yeah. So yeah. This, this super sweet old, uh, Argentinian guy picked me up in like the, the most badass land cruiser I've ever seen, <laughs> um, and drove me into the nearest town. I was able to kind of figure out how to buy a bus ticket at the time um and hitchhiked or not hitchhiked bus rode back to mendoza where that's the hostel we were staying at was in mendoza um had no idea what next step i was going to take to try and find my friend because you're coming into mendoza with 150 pounds of gear yeah you've just hiked an unholy distance yeah, and completely blown. Yeah. Completely, completely smoked. Yeah. And now no clue what happens next. Yeah. So went to the hostel and my buddy, he always had like this, this fanny pack that he, that he carried. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> it, it was like a, a mountain Smith fanny pack. So it had like distinctive colors, like uh, uh, yeah, mountain yeah. Smith stuff mm-hmm. has like 
Yeah. Like blue and yellow. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, red. And so I thought I, I went into the bathroom. I was like, the first thing I'm going to do is take a shower before I like start making phone calls, walked into the bathroom and saw his fanny pack sitting on the bathroom bench in the hostel. I was like, no way. And started yelling for him. And he comes out like half naked from the shower. And, <laughs> and I hardly recognize him because they pumped him like 30 pound. Like, I, I don't know how much weight he gained, but from ceiling. IV fluid. Yeah. <laughs> like they just pumped him full of, so it looked like he got stung by a bee. But <laughs> he comes flying to the shower. Like we're super psyched to see each other. Um, but as far as climbing with my, my climbing partner, that was, that was the, Kind of the end to it. His his I fiance kind of put the <laughs> put the botch on anything else after that. So plus we were starting to have kids, and I'm like, can you find a different hobby, please? So in the so interest, he did. yeah, in the interest <laughs> of finding a safer hobby, you took up mountain biking. I did, yeah, yeah. So shortly after that, uh, Jesse and I moved here. She got stationed out at Peterson, mm-hmm. um, and we moved out here, and. Uh, one of the good guys are Brett Billings. I don't know if you guys know him. Oh, yeah. yeah, we do oh, know man. Brett. Yeah, I might have him on the show here at some point. Brett, yeah. uh-huh. Brett is the most humble, badass mountain biker in the <laughs> springs. Like pretty fast. If you haven't had Brett on the show, like you should get him on the show because I don't know if you've ever ridden with him, but like probably the most technically skilled dude on a bike like I have ever seen. And he he taught me like everything I know about cycling. I remember. When we first moved here, I was like, oh, yeah, like I mountain bike and uh, had no idea what I was getting into. And like at the time, like I, I worked at a climbing and cycling store in Utah, um, kind of dabbled in it. We had gone a couple times and I, I, I would do it recreationally, but it wasn't until we moved here that I really figured out what mountain biking was. And that yeah. was mainly through Brett and I remember just like back before Williams uh, burnt down, mm-hmm. like uh, crazy. It's still gorgeous, but before it burnt down, it was otherworldly. Like just the coolest canyon back there it was almost like a rainforest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, nobody knew about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And, you know, go down to Kinfolks and slam a beer afterwards. And like, <laughs> it was a good time. But um, I had no business being up there. And like, just tiptoeing down Williams with Brett. And that was kind of like my first like, uh, realization or awakening, awakening of what, uh, mountain biking really could be, uh, was, was riding with him. So. Well, fast forward to what you almost told us right before the show is you were just riding your gravel bike down Williams. I've, I've, I've done it a few times because Rampart is such an awesome road for training on, Yeah, mm-hmm. like riding your gravel bike up and it's got a, you know, a, a sustained pitch. You're able to put in like a, like a, a good effort on it and, you know, riding back down the road, especially when you, yeah, no. yeah, when you have to wash the trail. No. Like, yeah. Why, like, why wouldn't you try it? You know? <laughs> so I, I've done it several times, but I was riding with a buddy this last weekend and, uh, yeah, it's just awkward kind of uh, position on on the uh, the gravel bike, and it was it was snowy and icy, and just like slipped off, came unclipped on one side, and just railed my shins so hard on my pedal. Oh. And at the same, because it was just it was one of the sections where it's a 
kind of a straight drop on the uh-huh. left. Mm-hmm. Like just bobbled the techie section, came on clips, slammed my shin. And at the same time, I had my hands uh, kind of on the top of the hoods and just like punched myself in the lip. <laughs> like I was kind of like, as soon as it happened, I was like feeling my lip, like expecting like to be missing teeth or something. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I love riding trails on, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, underbiked. But, uh, yeah, it just brings, you know, new life to a trail that maybe you've ridden a thousand times. I hear you. I hear you. There's so many other things that I want to ask you as well. I also would love to hear how you got connected in all of this, Jesse. Yeah, because we've got some history. We've got some history, Phil, in here (laughs) of what you were doing between Ohio and sitting around waiting to hear what happened in Anconcagua. But there's also the story of how you got into mountain biking. Yes. So... As a kid, you know, ride bikes around, probably mm-hmm. a Huffy from Walmart type of thing. Oh, yeah. And I didn't really ride any bikes in middle and high school. So it wasn't until like my adult life in Utah, like when I met Seth, bought a, a, a Haro, like hardtail. Haro Flightline. I don't know if you know what that is. But yeah. Like an RST Elastomer Fork, some yep. V-brakes. Like, it's it ain't much. sweet, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Seth goes... You know, I was pretty like new. I knew no skills. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what a chamois was, you know. And Seth's like, hey, let's go do some downhilling at Snow Basin. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's go do that. <laughs> so we, we take the gondola up and I'm feeling pretty pumped. Like we just started dating a few months before that. So I'm like, I really got to show him what I got, you know, like, yeah, I got to keep up with him. Just stupid. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we get off the gondola and I'm barely like 50 feet from there and it's a flat spot there's like this one rock right in the the, and it's like a really wide trail too just this one rock and it's like i see it and then it gets bigger and bigger in my mind right and i'm like Mm -hmm. don't look at the rock and i end up hitting it anyways which is (laughs) and i go super manning off my bike but somehow still staying pretzeled kind of in my bike my legs were like intertwined so bad (laughs) And I just like what went like twenty feet, just skidding into this water pipe. No, she. It was bad. She <laughs> took off down the hill. Like I, I thought I was gonna like. <laughs> like keep up. I was blown away. Yeah, she takes off down the ski run, <laughs> and I was like trying to keep up, just like getting jackhammered on the bars, and then I see her just like brilliantly wreck like into one of the snowmakers. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like I, I'm helping her out of her bike and like as I'm doing that, she's wearing like a, a tank top or something. It was just a shirt. And she hit T-shirt. like the the water cover, the thing that actually says water. Uh, yeah, yeah. And she had that imprint. W-A. Yeah. On <laughs> her shoulder. Her shoulder. <laughs> so my knees and my shins are bleeding at this point mm-hmm. and I'm feeling kinda down. But I was like, you know what? It's fine. And I'm wearing shorts too, just like regular like yeah. basketball shorts type of thing. It's fine. I'll get back up, brush it off. So we continue down and we hit like the first switchback and my handlebars just cave and just <laughs> send me over the bars again. And so Betrayal. I am super pissed at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, and the, I, the bolts on her stem uh, were tight. So it was so bad. Her, her bars, just as soon as she came around to switch back, her, the bar, the riser bar just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so, like I said, we had just started dating. He got to hear the most awful sounding National Geographic high pitched screams out of me, yelling, <laughs> super upset. I don't uh, remember if I was crying, probably like a she, mad she cry. She picked up her bike and threw it into the woods. <laughs> Literally threw it into the woods. I was so mad. Is it still up there somewhere? Is it? <laughs> no, we, we took it okay. down. But. but after that, it was a great finish. Okay. Like, <laughs> Wait a minute. A great finish to the run? No, yeah. Oh, like to the, the, the run. Yeah. The end of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We, so the, it, it was one and done. Like normally yeah. you go to a ski area. Like you do multiple laps. Like, I had enough at that yeah, point. Yeah, we did one run. <laughs> <laughs> Went immediately to like the first aid station. Yeah, yeah. Thing, got some band-aids, had the gravel picked out of my skin type of thing. And then, uh, yeah, that was my first actual mountain biking experience. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. So, <laughs> so then not too long after that, he's like, let's go to Moab. Oh. And I was like, sweet, never been, let's go. And we actually rented bikes, and I don't remember what bike I had for oh, that one. It was from the store I worked at at the time. Okay, but I forget what kind of bike it was. I think it was a full suspension, maybe. It was a Jameis Dakar, I Ooh, think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anybody used to ride like one of those. It was like an alloy cross-country mm -hmm. full suspension, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So he wants to go do Slick Rock. <laughs> I have trail. zero skills. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm in for. Second ride this ever. This is like my second effectively. ride ever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, still don't know what a chamois is, <laughs> which is really helpful for the lady stuff. I'm just saying. Yeah. And I get like 0 0.2, 0 0.3 miles into this. I said, no, I'm done. Like the endurance wasn't there. I was just pooped already from nothing. Mm -hmm. I didn't really do much. And I was like, you just do the lap or whatever. And I'm just going to go back to the parking lot. So it was kind of like, you know, beat down at that point, like emotionally. Mm -hmm. So I didn't pick up a bike until 2014. So this was 2009 when we went. So it's All been right. a solid five years since I picked up a bike. We moved here to Colorado and I actually, Seth was like, yeah, there's this, uh, there's this organization called Wimba, women's mountain biking. You should go try it. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't really know any ladies here. Like, Obviously, I'm like scarred from my two like adventures with you psychologically I, I just, and physically. Yeah, I'm like, I just don't know if I want to do this. And I only went like one time and it was like towards the end of the season. And I was like, oh, this is actually really fun. So then I went back in 2015 and I started riding my bike a lot more at that point. And I actually was like, you know what? Seth's been doing all this bike racing i want to see what that's about so i actually did the betty bike bash and that's when they did it at um castle rock still at the philip mac mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. philip miller park the mac if you will um yeah. and that was like a lot if you ever ridden there it's a lot of like roller coastery trails just up down up down mm -hmm. the whole time mm -hmm. and i came in fourth in my age group and i was like pumped but i was also like Fourth is kind of a slap in the face for me because it's like you're good, but you just weren't good enough yeah, to get just on the podium. Not enough. I'll take fifth, sixth, whatever any other day. Uh, I was like fourth, I just can't do it to this day. <laughs> I can sympathize. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh, getting real close and not quite winning we'll can be rough. That. Yeah, we're gonna get back to that. <laughs> so I started doing Wumba and uh, started going to their like weekly rides and. Having a blast, learning some skills for once, trying to get the endurance there. I, I would go do like intervals on Lions Trail before they did the reroutes and mm -hmm. all that on it. But uh, this is a brutal climb. And yeah. 
I spent a lot of time in Red Rocks and um, went back in 2016 for the Betty bike and I got first and I was like, hey, yes. there we go. Like, clearly something went well here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did the max series was podium, like get on first on, you know, the podium. And I was like, okay, like maybe I'm pretty okay at this now. <laughs> if I just put in the work and the effort. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I've been with Wimba since really like 2014. I've been on their doing the ride guide stuff and the race team for them off and on. So it's been really, really cool. And this is a common theme that we hear on the show an awful lot, which is ladies go try to ride with their man or a man. (laughs) Bad things happen and then no riding. And then Wimba comes along and saves the day. Yeah. Very thankful for that organization. here. I I am too. Like it it taught her a ton and riding together. Like as anybody knows, Mm -hmm. riding with a significant other is, is uh challenging at times yeah <laughs> and so trying to teach her as she's trying to get into mountain biking was really hard you know you you know it's just hard to communicate the the skills you have to have and also the fitness and so yeah as soon as she started riding with Wimba, I immediately well i also knew. got a decent bike i got, <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a juliana joplin so it's you know cross country style but night and day right yeah so but this one still didn't get me a dropper post which would have been really Ooh, nice this, this for was, technical <laughs> sections <was> like, <laughs> so like as i was you know becoming more of a, a cyclist it was like during the progression of now tubeless is a thing like mm-hmm. when i first started like you know you're cutting inner tubes to try and convert your mm-hmm. your old rims into a tubeless setup with you know some stands you know yeah stands kit but um i mean looking back on it, it i was, appreciated it like it, yeah. it was right at that point where the only droppers on the mark market were super unreliable i don't know if you remember the uh was it the crank brothers joplin like yeah the, like the, i'm Let's pretty sure is. all joplins have spent more time like like at crank brothers being warranted than on actual <laughs> bikes, on bikes. And yeah like, like ks was starting to come out with the lev and that was getting a little bit more uh, reliable and now like it's fantastic like you know, like it, droppers is i mean amazing, seth but... remembers when i would have to stop like three times to catch my breath on high drive and that's like the side from like the parking lot <laughs> not the back side <laughs> of high drive but mm-hmm. I, I would just be so smoked but you know by before even getting well, up to jack like she's, and... she's not giving herself credit like she was out running 50 to 100 oh, mile yeah. races. That was my ultra running days. I was say, it sounds <laughs> like we might have glossed over <laughs> okay, a point yeah. there. Dead legs. Like, and it's, yeah. it's so much different. If, if you've ever been any sort of uh, ultra runner or done any sort of cross country, like that, was, that was me. That's what I trained. You know, that's mm-hmm. how I trained for mountaineering was mm-hmm. I would go out and run 50 miles each weekend. And, yeah, he'd be like, I'm going to go out for a short run. And just shorts, socks, and shoes. That's it. No watch, no phone, no shirt, nothing. No water. No water. And he would just be like doing a half marathon and coming back. I'm like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was and I I thought I was fit coming here, but then as soon as you hop on your bike, you're like, oh man, like this is an entirely different different set of muscles that you have to Mm -hmm. use. Like all of a sudden, like yeah, you know, getting dropped in rides, and you're like, ah, oh, crap! Like, I, I have a long way to go. So, don't she? She selling herself short. She was super fit, 
and doing things like Pikes Peak Marathon and, you know, couple 50Ks, low-end low ultras is what I like to say. Because yeah. that was like really good for me was like the 50K option. Mm -hmm. It's just enough to say it was an ultra, but not like those 100-mile people. Like that's, yeah. I could, I don't think I could ever do that. So did that actually make your move into cycling harder because it was more frustrating? Like I should be better. No, I think it was just um, the speed was mostly there. It was mm -hmm. just technical skills were mm -hmm. lacking hardcore. And... Yeah, definitely. And joining Wimba definitely helped out with that a lot. And then doing a lot of skills practice, yeah, just like with my girlfriends or just on my own or with Seth or whatever really helped as well. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it fair to say that competition was pretty deep seated for you? With Seth or just in general? <laughs> well, I don't think I could ever really win against that one. So. <laughs> well, in general, if you were doing ultra marathons before you got into biking, like that's. You know, it's kind of funny in high school and all that. I didn't play sports at all, right? So it wasn't until after I had kids. Um, we had our last kiddo in 2013. I didn't really do much as far as like hiking, sure. But like didn't really run, didn't really bike. I would do my like annual requirement of like mile and a half run and do a little ones here and there. But I was getting into running to like lose some baby weight, right? Mm -hmm. And I would just do like two mile johns up and down the road type of thing. And then it progressively, I was like, well, if I can do that, I'm going to see what else I can do. I'm going to go a little bit farther this time, a little bit farther. And I also went for a half marathon, did a half marathon. Um, yeah, actually with the second kiddo, I was two months pregnant at that one. And yeah, it was just kind of crazy. And then I got into ultra running and I did a few like the Bobcat, um, 50K. It's like all the trails in Palmer. Oh my Amazing. gosh. I actually came in first female, second overall, which was nuts. Ooh, whoa. To be fair, there was like 10 people. That was <laughs> but I will still, take it. Still, yeah, I yeah, could take probably that. never say that again, but I, I'll take it. Um, Bear Chase up in uh, Lakewood was really beautiful. It was really hot. Um, yeah, Dead Horse down in Moab. That one's really mm -hmm. cool. I'd highly suggest that one if, if anybody's into running. But So I did a couple of those, but it was getting to the point where it was like, my body's not really healthy. Like my hips would, would hurt. My knee would hurt. Mm -hmm. I had piriformis issues really bad. I did the Super Bowl um, half marathon downtown here and felt great pulling like an eight minute pace the whole time. Finished the race, started walking in my car and I just felt like someone just punched me in the left butt cheek really hard. And it was like two weeks of like limping around, like it was so painful. So I'm still kind of recovering from that, having to do like daily stretching and Oof. yeah, bridges, the whole thing. That so piriformis, yeah, it's vicious. It because it sits on your sciatic, right? And I actually had some sciatic issues when I was pregnant with the second kid. So yeah, I've I've had some some things. So it's just like ultra running was hurting a little bit more at that point, and I was like you know, I keep getting injured and it takes weeks to heal. I can ride a bike like every day and uh -huh. it's lower impact depending on what I'm doing. Depending right? on how you ride the bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm riding Templeton every day, maybe I'm, you know, <laughs> that wears about choices. Compared to like Santa that wears Fe, you yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that's kind of where I transitioned more into to biking. And I, I do mostly like mountain bike and like gravel. Gotcha. All right. Well, around the time, 2015, 2016. This is just before you, Seth, were gearing up for a little championship of your own. 
if we've got the dates right, which was little thing in 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Colorado trail race. Yeah. Mm. Let's hear about it. <laughs> oh, so, you got to hear about the first two times. Oh, so, oh yes. Okay. A little so lead up. Those, so it took me three times or three tries to actually finish it. And on the third time finished and won it. Oh my gosh. Uh, might as well. But yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Three times a charm. But but the first two, I so I first tried it in 2013, then again in 2015, um, and each time had had issues. 2013, I had just a stupid mistake, stuck my front tire in a rock, went over the bars, bike flipped over, and ended up breaking a saddle rail. Oh no! And this, this was the first day. Um, and, and to take it back even, even further, like this was 2013, like I think Revlet was one of the brands that was still around, like not, it wasn't a big thing. Bikepacking wasn't, Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was kind of still grassroots at the time. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, sweet, I get right across Colorado. Like it is, you know, ride the entire trail, like, like her almost the entire trail minus the wilderness, but um i was like sweet sign me up i'm gonna try this like i i think and it's free yeah and it's free like <laughs> yeah you know i don't you know so yeah went out and then started in durango that year um and yeah first day i was coming down um is somewhere between blackhawk pass and Mollus. and yeah just stupid mistake stuck my front tire went over the bars broke my saddle and kind of had to collect myself and your garment and everything and my else garment, yeah because it was it was real <laughs> steep like mm-hmm. <laughs> if i would have kept going like it would have been bad it just a yard to find sale it too, right like an hour or two yeah to yeah find like, all like stuff. The, broke my the helmet off or visor off my helmet um oh. had to collect my find my garment at the time um and yeah kind of just recollect myself and and i was like okay like you know like I tried putting my saddle back, back, you know, fixing it. Nothing was working. I had some like duct tape, like that didn't do anything. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I ended up riding all the way to Sergeant's Mesa, which I think was another probably 180 miles with a broken saddle. Oh man. And like. A decision so, had to be made. Yeah. So <laughs> like you can imagine one rail on your saddle so you have like a flimsy side uh-huh. to your saddle and so that <laughs> after 180 miles just rubs you like raw right where you think just it say, would things were oh. bleeding really bad and so i i ended up bailing <laughs> off sergeant's mesa down to the town of sergeants um and i end up calling jesse and saying like like i can't go anymore like literally cannot and I had just dropped him off in durango like what a day or two before that and i was like oh man i have to yeah, drive all the way back like, <laughs> was, you know, like each time i've done it like i've done it with the intention to race it and so like push myself hard minimal sleep like going light um and so yeah got to sergeants and was just like so broken and probably could have donated blood out of my chamois. Oh, oh, yeah, I picked up a shell of a man. He looked yeah. pretty sad at the gas station. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and let's just say I had to crack the window the whole way home because it was pretty. 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. So that, that was the end to the run in 2013. And, you know, I, my, my whole idea on the, the race was like, I started it from Durango. I'm going to, you know, you know, start from there again and finish mm-hmm. it. And so every year, the Colorado Trail Race, it either starts in Durango or Denver. Like each year, yeah, it flips back and forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in 2015, I tried it again and, you know, it was... Wait a minute, though. After all that misery, was there any moment of thinking like, meh, I've had enough? Oh, or, yeah. It, it took like, you know, what is that? A solid two years to be like, all right. Like, I'm okay. All right. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. a funny yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think this time, didn't you do it on one of your last trail frames? 2015? Um, I can't remember. I think I did. Yeah. So uh started building frames around 2013. Uh, yeah, twenty. I have an Instagram photo that tells me 2014. Otherwise, I wouldn't remember. Okay, <laughs> okay, there we go. So yeah. I, yeah. I Thanks, Instagram. The yeah. first time I tried it, I I did it on a Yeti Arc, a 26 mm-hmm. inch Yeti oh Arc, like the old aluminum ones. Yeah. Um, and then shortly after that, started building my own frames. Um, and so 2015 and 2017, riding all my own frames. So, um. Pretty. That is really cool. Mm-hmm. As a quick yeah. aside, is that something you just decided to do one day? So it, it was it was kind of an accident. So uh, a friend of mine from work, I, I I was looking for a commuter bike to to commute to work, and he's like, "Oh, I've got this old Park Pre. It's like an old '90s frame, um, and it was V brake or Canny, probably Canny back then." But mm-hmm. um, I was like, "Well, you know, I'm I'm just gonna." braze on or weld on some disc brake tabs and it'll you know i can throw on disc brakes and so i did i i ordered like a piece from paragon machine works which they they see and see a whole lot of like uh um frame parts for independent builders um just ordered a disc brake tab and and welded it on and i was like that was easy enough like i bet i could build a whole frame <laughs> and so why I, not? yeah why not yeah so what could go wrong i you know like got on the googles and was like how you know how do you build a frame jig and got some some uh extruded aluminum and built my own frame jig and then built my own my my first frame which you know you, you always have those ideas right like like your idea of what's going to be a good frame and you're like oh like you know, I'm going to change the bottom bracket or the head tube angle or the seat angle. Like, I want to change all these to make the perfect frame, like, you know, my idea of a per- perfect frame. Uh-huh. Um, and then you build that bike and it's awful. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and and so then you, you dial it back and you're like, okay, like, there's a reason that, you know, manufacturers for the last, you know, 100 years have used angles and bottom bracket heights and and lengths for frames like all within a a, a certain confinement and yeah. so then you can kind of like mildly tweak it to to what you want to do but um yeah the first frame i built i was like oh man this <laughs> Do you, you know, have do you have any good specs from that frame that you remember, like either angles or lengths that were just way off? So I I remember the bottom bracket was just extremely high. Like I think the bottom bracket it was a twenty nine or I built. Okay, yeah. Um, which at the time, like I think I had a seventy degree head tube angle, which was on par for twenty niners at the sure. time. Uh, seventy three degree seat tube angle on par. Mm-hmm. Um, 
chainstay length was probably 435 which is on bad yeah but the bottom bracket height i was like you know i'm i'm gonna bring the bottom bracket up so i don't ever have rock strikes and so i think the bottom bracket drop on the 29er was like like 30 millimeters which (laughs) normal ones on a cross-country bike are anywhere from 55 to 65 millimeters Uh oh boy and so it it was just like like just sitting up way too high on the bike and so it handled and rode like garbage that that probably didn't corner at all yeah yeah Yeah. like and and so it's just things like that that you learn from that that i had to learn because i was like oh like i know better than the frame builders that have built all these bikes like I'm going to build this up and it's going to be amazing. Well, it wasn't. So, <laughs> and so then you learn to mildly tweak things based upon what the bike is intended for. Um, so yeah, built, built, built the frames and, and, uh, yeah. I think the Barnett certifications also help. Yeah. Well, oh. they, they don't, <laughs> they, they didn't really teach a whole lot as far as uh, like frame specific specifications or frame building there, but um, yeah, I went to Barnett's and, and they definitely like teach a lot as far as uh, mechanical mm-hmm. uh, things go. But, um, so we've yeah. got you back then, 2015, 2015 we're going to try yeah. this again with a back stronger saddle, yeah. <laughs> your own frame, literally back in the saddle in for this race, frame, yep. your own frame. Like, like, you know, I had gone through a few frames, like trial and error at that point. Any um, catastrophic failures on those, by the way? Do you have any no, frames that just came I've, home I've in pieces? Had, I've had one that has mildly cracked on the tr- chainstay where I, you know, for uh, the chain ring clearance, you, you dent in the chainstay or you can, mm-hmm. you know, braze in a cutout or weld in a cutout for the chainstay or use, use a yoke. A lot of, a lot of people use yokes these days, but um i had dented it in and one of them had cracked on that point that okay i think that's the only the only i not really a failure but like like i'm probably not gonna ride that like that would you know yeah that might not end well yeah yeah (laughs) steel or aluminum so i i've done pretty much all of them in steel and then i've done one in titanium that i'm still still kind of testing just because titanium is like very finicky as far as welding okay um you have to back purge it with argon and then have it's, it's, it has to be a really clean weld um and so yeah still still dabbling in titanium just to uh perfect the the process I guess. that's cool so oh boy, we're probably gonna come back to that yeah, before yeah, the end yeah. of the show yeah so 2015 2015 <laughs> So, yeah, you sorry. and, and Jesse, you've given the clearance to this. Did, was there any stipulation like I'm not picking your ass up at Sergeant's Mesa again? No, that was like really the third time. I was like, I am not coming all the way down to Durango. Second time kids, she didn't mention us. She's oh. like, I'll pick you up wherever. <laughs> I got you, babe. I support you 100%. I really hope you make it. Yeah. <laughs> so you start out from Durango. Yep. Back in Durango 2015, I wanted to finish, like, you know, finish that direction. Um, Everything was going really good. Uh, got to meet Jay Petterberry on the, on that section because uh, he was doing uh, the uh, Triple Crown. Oh, my gosh. So he had done the Arizona Trail Race mm-hmm. and then Tour Divide and mm-hmm. then the Colorado Trail Race. Oh, my gosh. And so I got to talk to him on the first day for like, I think it was for like a minute, but it was like. You know, yeah, starstruck. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but um, so yeah, everything was going good. Like you know, first, second day going through 
got over Sergeant's Mesa, uh, Monarch Crest, and then just on the other side of the crest, I was running out of food. So the section from Silverton, pretty much until Buena Vista, uh, you have to carry like that much food for however many days it takes you. Um, and I just didn't bring enough food with me. And I knew that uh, Mount Princeton, the, the hot springs, has a restaurant there. I was like, maybe I can get there. And it just didn't happen. I was, I was somewhere in between uh, the highway there and Ma Mount Princeton and just imploded. Like, re like I had run out of food several hours before. Just imploded. And... Between that and sleep deprivation, like I was like, I, I can't do it. And just not thinking straight, like, mm -hmm. like lack of sleep, like you're never doing too well mentally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I rode back into Salida with the intention to restock and then ride back. Well, from where I was at the time, it was like a 20 or 30 mile ride into Salida down the mountain. And I hit Salida and just like, you know, gave up essentially, <laughs> uh, you know, tried going to a restaurant and they, luckily this restaurant's out of business now I saw, but tried to go to this <laughs> restaurant and I, you know, probably smelled horrific mm -hmm. and like tried to go in and the lady was like, sorry, like, <laughs> <laughs> we're not having it. Uh, yeah. And so I got some food at the gas station and called Jesse and just called it quits. Like. Head just wasn't in the right place at the time, was just completely blown. And yeah, I ended up uh, bailing, bailing there. And, and uh, yeah, of course, you know, two, two, two more years later, you know, it's 2017. You got to go uh, again. Yeah, CTR's back in Durango. Uh -huh. <laughs> got to try and, it. Uh, like the, from what I've heard, was like the worst year for weather on the Colorado Trail, like probably not in day. history, but like since the, and, and I'm sure there's plenty of racers that will contest this because everybody goes through their own experience on the, the CTR. Um, but my God, I like, I still, I, I make the joke that I'm still drying out from the CTR <laughs> in 2017. <laughs> Since our interview with Seth and Jesse was too good to cut down, we decided to break it into two episodes. We will stop it here for episode one, but join us next week to hear the rest of the story. If you want to know more about stand-up pedal action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>